Republic, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Coyote Calls with Mike Sherpak. That's me, your host. Sorry for my absence over the last week or so, uh, battling that nasty cold that's going around. And if you have no voice, you have no podcast. I was able to catch all the games and even made it out to the game on Sunday against Dallas. We are also now officially entering the second half of the season, and so uh, have some observations to make in general about the first half of the season, as well as the past few games. So we're going to jump right into this, and um, let's talk first about the past few games. So we're going to call this a transition period. And we're, we're going to call it a transition period versus calling it a slump. And the reason for that is we need it to end really quick. So, you know, when you're in first place by six or eight points, you have three games you can go ahead and give away. And not too much damage is done as long as you're able to pick those games back up. But when you are in a race like the Coyotes are in right now in their division, you can't start dropping games several in a row. We went through a stretch leading up to this three-game losing streak. We went through a stretch of win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. This went on for 10 games. When you do that, if you're lucky, you're treading water, and that's pretty much what we were doing. And fortunately, everybody else around us was doing the same thing. But then all of a sudden, you have a team like Vancouver that's surging. I think they've won five in a row now, while you're losing three in a row, and suddenly you find yourself chasing after that first place spot. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Coyotes because, you know, if you've been watching them for a long time, you know that the hungrier they are, the better they seem to play. But let's go back to transitioning. You know, this team is transitioning from being a overperforming group of mediocre players, which they have been for several years now. Um, and now they're transitioning into a good team of good players. Of course, obviously, the next step is a great team of great players. But during this transition from a bad team with overachieving players to a good team with good players, is I think it becomes easier for people to look to someone else to make the play. When you have the first pretty much half of your season being won in a large part by your goaltending, I think that now you add some goal scoring, which we have. Clayton Keller has started picking things up very nicely. You know, you add a powerhouse like Taylor Hall. Connor Garland is still, uh, you know, doing a great job of generating offense. Nick Schmaltz, fantastic job of generating offense. And I think what happens is sometimes you get a little complacent. You start looking at, okay, well, the goalie's got my back. These four or five guys have our offense push, offensive push. And I think you have 
I'm sorry to say it, maybe three guys right on the team, right now on the team, that are uh, coasting. And I don't mean, and I don't think that they are physically coasting. It looks to me like players are playing hard. I heard Rick Dockett say the other day after the loss against Dallas, he liked the play. He liked the way that the team was playing, the energy they brought. But there were these lapses in judgment, just mental farts, if you will. And where do those come from? You know, we went through a series of maybe three games um, a few weeks ago where the defense was letting offensive players get around them, just kind of skate right around them. And in the game against Dallas, we started to see that again. And now, granted, you know, you have a pretty banged-up defensive core, guys that are logging a lot of hours, uh, guys that are not starting six defensemen as well. And so you're doing the best you can with what you've got, and I, I dig that. But that group is getting healthier, and, you know, we're only halfway through the season, so you can't have an excuse. You can't use injuries as an excuse at this time of the year. You have to stay hungry. You have to want to win. Let me give you a great example. Um, watching the game against Dallas, I thought the first period was maybe the best period of hockey I have seen out of the Coyotes, at least equal to the best period of hockey I've seen them play all season long. And so now, granted, I have a really great seat. I have 12th row in the attacking zone, and the Coyotes were flying. I mean, it was amazing to sit there and watch. It was like watching an all-star group of guys. It was it was just fantastic. The energy, the speed, the playmaking, it was just incredible. I knew when you put Connor Garland on a line with Taylor Hall, good things were going to happen, and I sure hope they don't mess with that because you could see instant chemistry there, and not even really good yet. It, it was instantly hey, someone's on the puck, and Dvorak on that line with them. Amazing. So now you go from that first period of unbelievably solid play, above solid play, and you go to the second period, and it was like, uh, hey, you know, there's only a two-goal lead, guys. And when you have a two-goal lead going into just the second period, the third goal is going to dictate a lot. If that game goes three zip, you're going to win that game. If that game goes two one, you're fighting to win a game. And that is exactly what happened. And why? Well, the way that I saw the game, and this is the same the night before against Vegas, teams are not going to continue to let the Coyotes roll over them. Teams are not going to continue to allow the Coyotes to bring the speed. The Coyotes are not a big, hard-hitting team. I think they're going to try and bring up some help from Tucson, big six-foot-plus forward, and see if that helps. But So what they did both in Vegas and what the second period Dallas Stars did 
on Sundays, they came out and they started laying that body on more and more and more. Why are teams willing to do that, especially when they're taking penalties doing it? Because you can't score on the power play. I have said this over and over and over again over the past two seasons. If you cannot make a team pay when they take a penalty, they are going to continue to pound you because there is no reason not to. There is no reason not to put Nick Schmaltz on his butt, to put Connor Garland's head into the board, to put Stepan's face on a platter for the second game in a row. How do you elbow, how do you target the head of somebody who's already wearing a mask? Well, you do it because you take out one of the great players and you know that they're not going to score on the power play. Personally, I thought, that he left his feet, should have been five minutes, and maybe, just maybe, Coyotes can muster a goal in that five minutes. But the fact remains that when you get several opportunities on the power play and you don't take advantage and make the other team pay, there's no reason for them to not continue to take penalties. And if you're built the way the Coyotes are, you cannot allow another team to pound you into the ice. Back in the old days, back in the 70s, the Boston Bruins had a saying, if we can beat you in the alley, we can beat you on the ice. And even though hockey has moved away from that mentality, the past two games, Vegas against the Coyotes and Dallas versus the Coyotes, showed you just how much that mentality is still alive and well. So the Coyotes are going to have to address a couple of things immediately. One of them is going to be the power play, and the other is going to be how to incorporate this new group of quality players into the old mentality of hard-nosed, dig it out of the corner, heavy on the forecheck, beat them to the puck, Coyotes hockey. Because if you don't do both of those things quickly, teams are going to continue to pound you. They're going to continue to take advantage of you. And you're going to all of a sudden be looking at, and I'm, not, I'm going to knock on wood. You all heard it. You're going to start to have serious time, man hours lost to injury. Because guys are only going to be able to take so much. Okay, so we need to get a couple of things happening here. Who would you sit? Well, you know, I mean, I know you guys are going to get upset to hear me say this, but something's got to happen with Phil Kessel. Something's got to happen with him. And, you know, I, I don't know where you put him. I don't know what you do with him, but something's got to happen with him. And, you know, I said this right when I said it a few weeks ago about Kristen, I'm sorry, Clayton Keller. I actually floated the idea, why don't you have Clayton Keller watch a game uh, from the press box and see how that changes things. And right when I said that, the next game he got better, the next game he got better, and the next game he caught on fire. So I'm going to say it right now. Why don't we sit Phil Kessel and let him watch a game from the press box and see if that doesn't do something for him? 
We also need to go ahead and get um, some of our bigger bodies doing more than just going to the net. We need to get these guys. And I, hey, look, I, I was not disappointed with the fight that I saw. I mean, literally and figuratively, you know, bigger guys uh, like Kraus uh, have to be able to step up and protect some of your more elite players. So I did like the step up there, but you need to get your big bodies throwing those bodies around a little more smartly. You know, don't take the penalty for it, but you gotta be answering hits with hits. Okay, so we are uh, gonna take a quick break here, and then we're gonna come back and finish up. Hey folks, if you are looking for an exciting, non-stop, non-contact sport, utilizing many of the strategies of hockey, you have got to try out the new sport of Sabaki Ball. You can get more information about Sabaki Ball at S-A-B-A-K-I-Ball.com. That's SabakiBall.com. Okay, we're back. And I uh, just have a few more minutes here. So let me make a few more general observations. I, I guess I'm streaming in and out of first half observations and play over the last few games. But I do think they tie together. I'll give you an example. Uh, still flirting with 50% face-off wins on the season. Creeping up there, just under 50%. Uh, as the uh, stat show this morning. Uh, and one of the things that those of you that have listened to my show for a while now know, huge advocate of controlling the face-off circle. If you don't win face-offs, you don't control the play. If you don't dictate the play, you're chasing after the game. So as we enter into the second half of the season, something that we definitely need to continue to improve upon, goal scoring. Not just goal scoring in general, but more specifically, timely goal scoring. And I, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna tell you that this is a looking forward, not a looking back type thing. We've put some pieces together. There are pieces in place to make this a reality. You need to have timely goal scoring. Sunday night, great case in point. On the power play, three minutes, uh, sorry, on the power play, up two to nothing. If you go up three to nothing, great chance of winning that game. In fact, I'm going to say 100% chance Coyotes win that game if they score on the power play and go up three to nothing. You got to have that guy who's going to step up and score that goal. And we haven't really had that on a consistent basis yet this season. Connor Garland is, and see, I'm not getting all excited because he is who he is, and I don't need to sing his praises anymore. I can't believe they're still talking about Clayton Keller as the guy you should write in for going to the All-Star game. Compare Clayton Keller, his play, and I know he's leading in points. Don't get me started on that. When it comes to Connor Garland head-to-head -head with Clayton Keller, you watch the two of them play. I know Clayton Keller's got more points. Connor Garland has more goals. And put both of those things aside and just watch what they bring 
every time they step out on the ice and tell me, I dare you, go ahead, email me, tweet me, I dare you. Tell me that Clayton Keller has more impact over the first half of the season, not the last two weeks, but the entire first half of the season, tell me that he, Clayton Keller, has more impact every time he steps on the ice than Connor Garland. I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Okay, so we need that guy who can be the go-to, the guy that he's going to go out there on the power play. You've got to score the goal. He's going to go out there with um, two minutes left in the game, and you've pulled your goalie, and he's going to be the guy that you're going to get the puck to. You're going to get the puck to. Okay, so let's look at the options. This is a huge deal. I'm going to dwell on it for a second because it's a huge deal. This team is set up to be in games, okay, to be in games. So you're not blowing people out five to one. You're going to be in a lot of one-goal games. That's the way this team is set up, and that's why they have great goaltending and a great defensive core when they're all healthy. So you got to have that guy or two who are going to be your go-to win the game by scoring a goal. Let's take a look at it. Everyone loves Taylor Hall. I, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with him. So let's go ahead and name Taylor Hall at the top. He should be your go-to guy. Put him on the ice whenever there's an opportunity, um, whether it's with a pulled goaltender or on a power play, need to change momentum right after a goal scored on you. Taylor Hall. Okay, I got that one. Connor Garland, you got to do it. He leads the team in goals. He brings a huge amount of energy. Fun to watch. I mean, he's exciting. You can't, I mean, think of it as a fan, you watch him and it's exciting. Imagine that you're a player and you actually know what the hell's going on out there. And you watch him dipsy doodling around guys. Uh, it's got to bring some excitement to the bench. Okay, Taylor Hall, Connor Garland. Who's your number three guy? Now, you might want to say Nick Schmaltz, but, you know, Schmaltz is more of a setup guy. Don't get me wrong. I would not hesitate to stick him out there in those situations, but because he's going to get the puck to somebody, not because he's going to be the guy scoring the goal. And I would say the same thing about Derek Stepan. He scores some big goals, but he's more of a setup guy. So is it Clayton Keller? Well, if you're looking at the entire first half of the season body of work, I would say no. Is it Phil Kessel? A resounding no. So who is it that you slap that label on, sit him down and say, you're my boy. I'm putting you out there. Christian Dvorak? I would think Christian Dvorak is a good, a good number three behind Connor Garland and Taylor Hall. And then maybe if he continues to play as well as he has, Clayton Keller. So it should be an exciting second half of the season. See what the Coyotes do. I mean, looking forward to tonight's game. Hope you are as well. That's all the time we really have for today. So I'm going to have to let you go. But I want to wish you all a very happy 2020, healthy and prosperous. And we'll catch you on the flip side.